Welcome to a finals edition of the Haber Show podcast. This week's guest is Tass Mellis, a co-host of The Starters on NBA TV that airs every weekday night at 6 p.m. One of the great dudes in the NBA media. When you think of the Toronto Raptors, many of us think of the Basketball Jones, an OG podcast he hosted with J.E. Skeets back in the day. Now they're based in Atlanta. But Tass and Skeets grew up with the Toronto Raptors in Canada and lifelong fans of the team currently in the NBA Finals. Everyone knows about the Golden State Warriors. But what about that team over there in Toronto? For those who want to learn a little bit about T-Dot, the history of the Raptors, and what it's like to be slapped in the face for simply wearing a Vince Carter jersey in Toronto, you're going to want to listen to this episode as we break down the NBA Finals matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors. But before we get to that, a word about the latest report out of Houston. Did you guys see this? According to friend of the Haber Show podcast, Mark Stein, the New York Times, Clint Capella is among the players that the Houston Rockets have recently floated in trade talks, as he calls it, gauging the market. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that everyone could be moved for the right deal, even James Harden and Chris Paul. Okay. To Daryl Morey, who also has been on the Haber Show podcast, go check that episode out earlier this season. To Daryl, I say good luck. I mean, look at that roster. Who's a valuable asset? You got Chris Paul, who's due an annual $41 million for the next three years, taking him up to his 37th birthday. You have, what, Clint Capella, who's young? Yes, but he regressed big time this postseason. He has 30 minutes a game, and I think people were expecting him to be a 40-minute-a-game-in-the-playoffs type player. But um, he has four years and $74 million left on his deal. He got paid. And I doubt they trade James Harden. So after years of accumulating assets, the Rockets are simply tapped out. You look up and down that roster, and it's hard to find someone that teams around the league are going to be calling up. Be like, I want that contract. I want that player on that deal. That used to be the Rockets. They used to accumulate all these assets, young players on good deals or non-guaranteed deals. But none of the Rockets youngsters are tantalizing. What? Teams are going to be lining up for Gary Clark or Isaiah Hartenstein or... What, Chris Chioza? No. So this is a team that was built for a championship with Golden State in their way, and there is one Hail Mary here, and that's the Lakers. They will have the cap space to absorb Chris Paul's contract. They have LeBron James, the father of Chris Paul's godson, lined up on the same years on the contract. Trading for that Chris Paul deal would be a last resort for a team that is looking to land a premier free agent, right? Like, they're going after Kawhi. They're going after Jimmy Butler. They're going after Kevin Durant. But if you're going to have to wait and see if they can get a star and then you got Chris Paul through age 37, man, that's a tough sell. Looking around the league, I just don't see a logical trade fit. And Daryl Morey always has something up his sleeve. I just don't know how he's going to pull the rabbit out of the hat in this one. Again, what I would say on that report, good luck. All right. Now for some finals talk with Tass Mellis. Let's get on with the Haber Show. All right, I'm excited to introduce Tass Mellis himself from the starters on NBA TV. He is the OG of podcasting in the basketball world. I mean, he started it all with the Basketball Jones way back in the day in Toronto uh, when he and his buddies were starting, uh, starting out. And I guess you guys were at Ryerson University, Ryerson College. What is it? <laughs> Yeah, us Canadians, um, we don't just say we went to college. We actually say we went to university, uh, and people look at us funny down here. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it actually was a Ryerson Polytechnic University at first, but then it changed to a university, and that's a fact you don't care about. But yeah, we started in. Uh, oh, I care. We started at, as buds at Ryerson, and uh, you know, doing some some college radio back then, and then when we got out of college in 2005 you know we all kind of were tired of our day jobs wanted to do something creative so so a few of us got together uh you know about six months after we all graduated and uh, we said let's start a podcast let's just do something and what would it be and you know skeets and i my co-host and i love ball our producer jd absolutely did not um but uh <laughs> that's how it, it worked like that because it was nice to have somebody who didn't um you know, wasn't from the sort of that, that fandom that we were to give us a different perspective on segments and, and all that. It's a nice, a nice yin and a yang. So us three started it and then it snowballed from, you know, way back in 06, we started and here we are. 
Here we are. NBA Finals are approaching. Game one is in Toronto. How weird does it feel to to talk about this? (laughs) It is. Seeing that on on Saturday, uh, that that arena was celebrating an Eastern Conference championship, those 18,000 fans who are usually, uh, you know, when I was sitting there in those seats, I was just, you know, hoping for something, some miracle to happen in a fourth quarter of a random March game and those those fans were celebrating an Eastern Conference championship. It was, it didn't seem real that Ernie Johnson and TNT crew were announcing that that those do that the team from Toronto is going to the finals. Yeah, it uh, it still seems surreal and and hopefully for the Raptors that it doesn't seem surreal when when the lights come on in Game One and that they're ready to go because I'm, I'm definitely worried uh, that. You know, they're not ready to go against a team that plays so different in the Warriors. And then, boom, then they get Kevin Durant coming. But anyway, uh, well, yeah, they'll be ready. They're professionals. So what was it like getting the Toronto Raptors as a kid? Uh, yes, it came, it came around as a, at a perfect time for me because I loved baseball growing up. And um, basketball wasn't as much of a thing for me because – you know, there was no team when I was 10 and 11. Um, and so the Jays, the Blue Jays won back-to-back World Series. And then there was a strike in baseball. And then the Raptors came along and Isaiah Thomas, you know, ripped through the, the vinyl Toronto Raptors logo. And the Raptors were born uh, in 1995. And it was a perfect time for me, um, even though I didn't know you know, as a kid, as a 13 year old kid that they shouldn't be playing in a football slash baseball stadium. They're playing in the same stadium as the blue Jays. And it was, oh. it, it looked terrible <laughs> <laughs> and it sounded terrible. And the entire basketball world was laughing at Toronto in a way, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I absolutely adored it. And, I, and it was, you know, Vince came around soon after Damon Stoudemire and Mighty, Mighty Mouse was there and, so it was hard not to gravitate to this team. They beat Michael Jordan in their 72-10 and 10 season. And, uh, yeah, I, w- I was hooked. And, and Vince, um, the arrival of Vince made me purchase season seats eventually. So, you know, they went to the playoffs in, in, in 2000 and 2001 when you know, things were really riding high. And, and that was when you were in college, yeah? Or in, at yeah, university, yeah, excuse yeah. me, sorry, at no, university? No. Yeah, yeah, just uh, – my first year of university was was Vince peak year was the Vince versus Iverson uh, going you know dropping oh. exchanging fifty point games yeah and and so there was an offer to get season seats for the next year if you put five hundred bucks down uh, for season seats next year you get to have first access to playoff tickets so uh, a friend and I did that and we got to see peak Vince Carter in my opinion you know forget about the Nets and, and all that uh, that was. That was peak fence. And so that was, uh, yeah, then I was done. And then we, uh, you know, we went in for season seats together. Um, you know, a few of us sharing seats way up in the nosebleeds for the next 12 years. And, uh, yeah, that's, so Vince, Vince did that for a lot of people and a lot of young kids for sure. Uh, Vince getting- did it for me, Tass. Like I, I was a huge, huge Carolina fan growing up. My grandparents were in North Carolina and they sent me all sorts of Carolina gear. I went to basketball camp at Carolina. Vince Carter was my favorite player. Wow. When he went to Toronto, I remember there was like a 41 point game or something like that early in his career, like his rookie season or 47 or something like that. And I, I went out and got a Raptors Jersey. I was obsessed with the Raptors that first year when he was a rookie there and for a lot of NBA fans, for a lot of college basketball fans, they kind of gravitated around that Raptors team because Vince was so different. He was so like he was for all the guys who were said as the next Jordan, like Vince was the closest proximity to that, um, you know, at the time. I mean, Kobe was, he was Kobe. The, was, but, he that, was he that in college? Like, oh, like, yeah. I mean, because because the thing about college was he went to Carolina. Yeah, that's true. So there was there was so many comparisons from a young age coming out of Daytona Beach, um, and he was kind of, he was before the internet. He was before so a lot of the Vince Carter stuff was just like folklore, and you'd have to catch it on message boards or whatever. And Vince was a st- uh, like the a star that a lot of college basketball f- fans adopted the Raptors because Vince was that good, and it was the first time. 
in my uh, fandom, like a sports fan, that I cared more about the player than the team that he played for. Like I was, I followed Vince Carter from college and became a Raptors fan for a while because of the fact that Vince Carter was on that team. He was so, he was so magnetic as a player. Wow. You're like Kevin Durant. I, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, so many people tell me that. I'm just like Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're not the first. But what was the peak before Kawhi came along, before DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry? What was the peak moment as a Raptors fan? I think there might be about a minute of silence here because I don't think there was one. Was it, was it the dunk contest? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I was, I was a diehard Raptors fan and not to be some traditional loser here but you know i wanted a little bit more of team success yeah <laughs> and so and so yeah it, like when you look at it from the outsider's perspective what what helped toronto um you know put toronto on the map what would probably help solidify their franchise a good amount um what yeah what, what gave you know prospective free agents and uh other players just a little bit more of a, a sense that this is a real basketball team was, yeah, the slam dunk contest. Yeah, it, it was. But uh, for me, it's it sounds nuts, but them winning in 2001, that series against the Knicks, they want a series. They want a playoff series, one series. Um, but and that, but that's and it was a five gamer, but they won in Madison Square Garden in game five. And so that was that was the peak because they didn't win another playoff series until the Lowry DeRozan years until whatever it was, 2014 or so something. So that was Mo Pete and Alvin. Was that that team? Yeah, Mo Pete and Alvin and JYD and uh, oh JYD. Yeah, you know Toronto will love that guy. That's for sure. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Al- Alvin Williams getting a pass from Vince Carter with 40 seconds left in Game Five in Madison Square Garden and hit a hitting a, an elbow jumper to really seal it. And, uh, yeah, there was, there was Muggsy Bogues and uh, being a backup and Del Curry. Um, yeah, those were, those were the days. What about the shot? So uh, game seven, game seven against the Sixers, Vince misses the shot. How much does, how much does the Raptors' fortunes change with that one shot? Yeah, it's, it seemed like that was an epic it, series. Epic. It was it was it was an epic series, and that's a, that that is another a folklore series as well, right? Like because of of uh, no internet back then, and uh, yeah, I remember it was it was tough to find a place to watch it. It was on a, a long weekend here, a holiday weekend in I say here in in Toronto. Uh, I feel like I'm there, man. You're taking me back. Um, and it was, uh, it was hard to find a place to watch because, uh, we were out in the, in the wilderness, um, you know, at a, at a cottage in cabin country and we finally found a game and, or I found a, a bar to watch it. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like Raptors fans slowly turned on Vince after that missed shot because he flew to North Carolina cause he cared about his education. Oh, yeah. What a dope. <laughs> and uh, he went to his graduation that morning, rode the, the private jet back to Philly uh, to miss that last shot, which, you know, a lot of people compared to the, the Kawhi Leonard shot in round two, uh, I guess, because it was game seven and uh, it was a potentially a winning shot there. But, yeah, there was there was other reasons for Raptors fans to turn on Vince, mainly mainly the injuries, uh, you know, the whole the jumpers knee uh, term that. Vince Carter made infamous in the NBA world and then and then that shot. So yeah, that was that was peak Raptors uh in that era and then whew, it went downhill from there. Yeah, because I feel like when people watched the decision with LeBron and people were burning jerseys and all this hysteria in Cleveland and how how toxic that Cleveland arena was when uh when Quicken's Loans Arena came for LeBron that first year in Miami. But I feel like the Raptors or Toronto as a city, the vitriol they had for Vince was kind of like set the table for that decision. Like I, I, I feel like people remember it in America, but in Toronto, what was that like when, when he became a villain in Toronto and the Vince Carter stuff started happening and the, and the injuries and the benchings in the fourth quarter, what was, what was that like as a fan? Because at that, at that point you're, I don't know, are you still a, like a, capital F fan of the, of the Raptors at that point? At that point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he left in 2004. Uh, you know, I was working in, in the media during my college slash university years, but I was, so do you have some hot takes on Vince that like someone's going to 
un, uh, uncover here in the finals? <laughs> like, are you worried that there's just going to be like a, a Skip Bayless just just uh, a, a flaming hot take from uh, from Young Tass? Well, I can give you that flaming hot take right now. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. <laughs> but what happened was he was traded in 2004, and he came back as a New Jersey Net the next year, and. I remember yelling at the top of my lungs after he walked off. I think it was a game-winning shot. Um, I'm pretty sure. They won the game, and I'm pretty sure he hit the game winner in the Raptors' face in the first game that he came back. And I was up there in the Raptors yelling as he walked off, you'll never win anything, Vince, because I was such a loser fan back then. But that was, <laughs> no. that it's a great was, chant. I mean, I'm sure he heard it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, there was, uh, you know, back back in the basketball Jones days, even when we started, it was 2006. So it was, you know, a couple of years removed from Vince leaving. Oh, yeah, we were still still pretty in pain at the beginning. Uh, yeah, he still I, I never thought there, there would be a reconciliation between him and him and the city ever. It was pure, pure vitriol. You know, we started, even we started filming, like we did a couple of years of audio and then we started filming in 2008 and 2009 and we went down and the city was starting to turn slowly. And, and so I had to be outside of the arena in a Vince Carter jersey. Uh, and and that, was, that was one of my punishments. Uh, we did a monthly punishment thing back on the show. And so my punishment was to be amongst all these Raptor haters and to or Vince Carter haters, yeah, 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 and to see what happened, and uh, oh, I got a, I got, I got the finger thrown at me. I got, I got slapped by one girl. No joke. <laughs> we got uh, yeah, it's on, it's on film somewhere for sure. The basketball Jones days. It, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a light slap, but it was a slap. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, people still hated way back then. I, I never thought it would turn, um, and. We were hurt. We were very, very hurt. That's what it comes down to. And Vince, I guess the issue with, you know, having interviewed Vince now and, and, and absolutely loving the guy. And, you know, he had problems with the way the, the team was run. And that's yeah. probably understandable. There was, you know, when you look back and I just I just did a top five on our show of, of the crazy things that happened with coaches and they in, in Raptors history. And they basically all happened during Vince's era where a coach, Butch Carter, he was the head coach, was suing. Marcus Camby on the other team on the Knicks team before a series and he was trying to take the GM's job and there was another coach throwing a fit in a hotel room and breaking lamps there was just a lot of a lot of weird stuff happening with that team and coaches quitting and and players asking to be traded and players not wanting to play there ever because the metric system uh, says the speed limit in kilometers and not in miles, a bunch of stupid stuff. And so the team and Vince, you know, just said enough with this and, and was, was tired of it. And, and there was a lot of pressure on him. Like, like you said, the Jordan comparisons, it obviously didn't work out that way. There's only one playoff series win. And that's why I keep talking about it because I, I loved it as a capital F fan way back then. <laughs> I think I brought it up on this show is that Vince has me blocked on Twitter. He's the only player in the league that has me blocked on Twitter. I have no idea why. I don't know what I did. I don't know if there's like a confusion thing that maybe he thinks I'm someone else or maybe he just saw a stat that he didn't like and was like, this guy's garbage. He needs to check his facts. I have no idea, Tass, but it's one of the hardest things that I wear every day is that, <laughs> that out there somewhere Vince, and I haven't even gotten the, the uh, as Tim McMahon would say, the cojones to actually go up to him and, and talk to him about it because he obviously doesn't know. Like, come on, how many people have you blocked or, or muted on Twitter that you just don't remember why or what happened? I'm just one of those guys. Growing up, worship the dude. I even tweeted out, a picture that I drew by hand of Vince Carter doing that iconic, he's like floating in the air behind the backboard. I think it was in Sports mm -hmm. Illustrated. Yeah. And I drew it uh, when I was in like middle school or high school, like for an art, an art class. And it was awesome. I loved it. And I like tweeted at him everything. He must have just saw that and was like, this guy is terrible. He is a, <laughs> this is awful art. So I don't know what it is, but 
Uh, oh, and man, we got to get to the bottom of that. I know, I know. It's one of the big mysteries, and I'm afraid to like learn what the what the answer is. Like I've talked with with the Hawks PR people, and they're trying to arrange, you know, a, a podcast or some sort of uh, expose on what I did. I don't know, but it, it it still hurts me to this day. And I don't have any any hate in my heart for Vince Carter. Certainly not as much as Tass did in 2004, <laughs> Vince. But he came around, right? Like like just like LeBron James in Cleveland. They broke bread. Those fences were mended. And um, now I think the story of Vince Carter in Toronto, like if he came back during the finals in the arena, standing out, right? Like if he came back. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. They might retire his jersey right then and there. Uh, Why do you think that is? Like, is it just time or is it Toronto? Like moving like what what was it that was the thing that that got people to come back around is, is it the fact that he was kind of right about the organization that they needed to be better run like what is it nah yeah i just think it was the passing of time i don't think there was any great realization on either party's part and uh, I, I guess just sort of maybe fans looking back and thinking um how, how great he was uh, in hindsight and how good he was for the city and good he, good he was for the country because of all the, the young Tom Haverstrows in Canada or Tass Melses in Canada where they started playing ball uh, because of him. And, you know, I think you can, you can look at the Canadian National Basketball Program and guys like Wiggins or Tristan Thompson or a lot of those guys started playing, started loving the game because of that era of the Toronto Raptors. So I, yeah, I think it's a bit of how good did we have it with that guy? Mostly. <laughs> and mostly that. And, and because I guess Vince has uh, really rehabilitated his image from then too. Like, I guess Toronto's trying to be the bigger, the bigger person in that sort of, uh, in that kind of analogy. And because, because Vince was a big person, you know, Vince coming back and playing with, you know, at the end of his career with Phoenix and Dallas and all those teams in Sacramento and being a great teammate and a, a great dude, Toronto, I guess decided, Hey, we'll do that too. And, and I guess they also want to have a basketball history and they want to celebrate it. And the only thing you can celebrate from those years is Vince Carter. And uh, I think they, you know, there's there's a bunch of hockey banners in that arena that they play in. Tim Horton is an actual hockey player whose jersey is retired. His number is retired. Wait, that's what Tim Horton's is about? Yeah, the, the player, the hockey player. Oh, that's, was, that's glorious. That's great. A chain, a chain started in his name. I, I don't know if his family started it. Maybe. I don't know. So but he's kind of like the George Foreman of, of Canada where he sure. just he yeah. he's an athlete that invented a, a food or not a food. I mean, he was, it's just what coffee, right? Yeah. It's a chain. It's yeah. a huge chain. It, it seeped its way into Detroit and Buffalo a little bit. There are all these hockey banners up there, but the only basketball banners that are hanging there are a couple division banners. I know sad, just division banners that they've won and, uh, and the inaugural season banner, 1995, 96. So I think, I think part of it is the Raptors, you know, wanting to be an A-list organization and, and wanting to celebrate what's the good parts of their history and the good parts of their history are Vince. And then, you know, a, a little part with, with Chris Bosch, but mainly Kyle and, and DeMar. And now this, I mean, that's, that's basically it. The best video you guys ever did. Well, actually, I don't know. There's one, the one you did with Benny, the bull was incredible, but also I think the one that just rocked my world when it came out, I, I shared it with my buddies. I shared it with my brothers like a Bosch. I think that was probably our, that was our peak, like pop culture appropriate video. Like that, that, that hit, that hit home. It was on ESPN. It really, uh, it still bangs. It still bangs. Yeah. It was a good time. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, that as far as the ones that still bang, like you can, you can rock out to as well. Like, uh, (laughs) yes, yes. Is, uh, the Andrea, we did an Andrea Bargnani. It was sort of an all-star campaign, but it was in Kanye West's, it was to Kanye West, a Kanye West song. And it was, uh, no one man should have all that power, but it was no one man should have all that pasta. Uh, that yes. was, that was that those two, I think are, they still live on in infamy. That's what we can hold on to. And then ball with, or, or I guess ball with uh, Hito Turkoglu and then you, you as Hito. Just yes. some greatest hits, Raptors lore. <laughs> yeah. Let's fast forward right now because you, you brought it up, in, you know, with, 
uh, Kawhi and Kyle and how Toronto, the city, hasn't been seen as a free agent destination. But then you get the trade with uh, Kawhi Leonard. You move DeMar DeRozan um, and Jakob Pertl and a pick. You bring in Danny Green and Kawhi. How much does capital F fan Tass Malice feel like this is a pivotal moment, not just for the Toronto Raptors this year, but also if you can re-sign Kawhi Leonard as a Raptors fan, um, how big do you think this finals is just from the trajectory of the franchise and shedding that, you know, little brother syndrome of being uh, the Canadian basketball team, not a destination in free agency, um, Forget winning the series, but how much of this series is going to help dictate or shed the narrative of Toronto as a city? I think it's already shed. It's been shed. You're uh, calling it. It's done. Yeah. It's yeah, done. This, I mean, I hate myself because I can hear it in myself that I have this insecurity little brother <laughs> syndrome. Uh, and and our producer, J.D., talks to me about it all the time. He's from Toronto as well. Uh, I'm not a big basketball fan, but he's kind of like he's like our Masai Ujiri. Masai Ujiri, you know, gets up and says F Brooklyn uh, when they play them. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. When they play, you know, that kind of, hey, we're good enough. We're strong enough. People like us. Yes. We don't, we don't need uh, you know, we don't need uh, this outside affirmation. Uh, and but it, but it's come. The affirmation has come, I think, because of Masai Ujiri's attitude, because of these trades. But I think it's over. I think I think he's he's solidified. Masai Ujiri really is is the guy who's who's done it now this last um, you know six seven years. Um, and I'm glad that he didn't trade Kyle Lowry because it almost happened. Uh, but Lowry was has sort of been the leader. And I don't I don't think it matters if Kawhi leaves or not. I think it's um, Toronto's on the map now, and it's not just some city that's just north of the the United States. It's a it's a basketball city, and that's it. You went on a radio show this week uh, on the Radio Ethan show out there in Concordia, California. You got a lot of disrespect on that show. (laughs) Yeah, who the heck is that guy? (laughs) Uh, I I actually, I feel bad for the, I think it was the third caller who said he was a day one fan and he got hung up on just like you did. But listen, on this show, Tass, you can be a starter, you can be a finisher. Look, I'm not going <laughs> to hang up on you, Tass. I won't disrespect your city, but I want to ask you, what are the top five things or just top three things that fans get wrong about Canada? That fans overhype about Canada as a country or Toronto as a city? Things that just grind your gears as a, as a native Toronto Canadian. Okay, I'll start with this. People think that Toronto is a part of the United States. I'm not kidding. What do you mean by that? Uh, what do you mean? Just, just like they think it's... It's a city in in the U.S. Like it's uh, like it's in New York, up, upstate New York. What? Well, sort of that Canada. Whether whether Canada is another territory of the U.S., like it's Guam or something, <laughs> or it's. A, and I'm not kidding. I'm not. I'm not. There was somebody in our studio in Atlanta uh, last week, last week, and uh, who doesn't usually work on our show, but was working camera on our show um, that was being told about Toronto. And he was like, oh, where is it again? It's like up at the top, up, up, up high, up north. And the guy's like, yeah, it's just sort of, you know, Buffalo, Detroit up there. And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's like, who would go there? I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go up there. And he said, well, you know, it's, you, you also have to, the other, the other guy was trying to explain things to him that it's another country saying, like, you have to get a, use a passport yeah, to yeah. get there. And he's like, passport? Why would you need that? Oh no! And he's like, I thought I thought it was the U.S. Oh no! People think that, and I'm not just I'm not just stereotyping this one guy, but there are some people that are unaware of things beyond their city or their state. Anyway, that bothers me. Second, <laughs> uh, second, like the number the, one thing uh, that bothers you is that people think it's American. Okay, yeah. get moving. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I won't take offense. <laughs> I won't take offense as an American, but go ahead, keep going. Uh, what else bothers me? Um, is is poutine overhyped? No, okay. it's actually it, it's 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 good. I there's there's a lot of places out there. I, I think like you know I'm 37 years old. I, I don't think I don't think an actual like a poutine shop existed until I was like. 20 or 25 they didn't really exist there's you know it was just a fries and it was just a side you right. know? 
but now there's like poutine shops. You just go in there and get poutine, which is really good. But I think they can get a little too fancy schmancy. Like they put, you know, they put different like corned beef on them or like different stuff like that. I think you just got to go meats and potatoes poutine, which is fries, gravy and cheese. So I think you can, you can make it a little too elaborate. There's no need for that. The basics are great. Uh, you know, I think about, I do think about it when I go up to Toronto, I think about being fat and going and grabbing a, a bucket of poutine. Uh, yeah, cause it's, it's good. It depends on the place, but there's places called poutinis, poutinery. There's like, <laughs> there's some, uh, and that's what they sell. And, uh, yeah, poutinis or poutine, two thumbs up from this guy. Okay. Um, is, there, is there another iconic dish in Toronto? Cause I've only been once and actually, you know, the time I've only been in Toronto was with blo- blogs with balls back in what? 2012 what no it's got to be right in that right uh yeah no it might have been 2011 it was right then yeah well maybe the way i just talked about poutine maybe that's why that radio ethan guy called me task meals yep. uh yep because uh no there there aren't any other real dishes to be honest like the the great thing about toronto is that it is a, it is truly a city of immigrants and the food from around the world uh, is made, you know, pretty authentically in, in a lot of different spots. And, you know, people say it's a city of neighborhoods because there's, there is Greek town and there's little India and there's all sorts of, um, real authentic ethnicities there that make incredible food. So I miss the ease of getting good food from, from listen, Atlanta's got good food, but they don't, I don't love the Greek food down here. I gotta be honest. Oh yeah. Yeah. What, it's, so uh, Greek town doesn't represent, or you're saying in, in Atlanta? No, in Atlanta. Yeah, in Atlanta and Toronto. It's it's pretty solid. So I do miss uh, I do miss the Greek food. It's, it's not that complicated, Tom. No, it's, it's not. not. Just to throw a cup of potato in the oven. And I went to a mar- market one time here in Charlotte, and I said, "Hey, where's the best Greek food in Charlotte?" And the guy, he's he was Greek. He was like, "How much money do you have to pay for an airplane ticket?" <laughs> I was like, wait, there's nothing. He's like, in the South, it's very hard to find real Greek food. And I was like, oh, so like I can't, there's not even like a Greek neighborhood. And he's like, no. So we're having trouble here in the South. I went out into uh, suburbia Atlanta because I was told that there was a good Greek place. Uh-oh. I go I go in uh, and I ask where, you know, I order my, my gyro and, and, and sides and stuff. And I ask where the tzatziki is. And I was told you know, back there beside the ketchup. So I go back there and it's like, it's a vat, you know, like one of those like monstrous, like dispenser, like you push down dispenser, but it was like a huge vat. I'm like, okay. I mean, no problem. No problem. This big metal vat. I push down and it looks a little different. I start eating it. It was ranch. It was literally just oh, ranch no. dressing. I was like, what the? Oh, yeah. no. I was going right. to say this, it was this a some problems. Maybe, maybe we got a, we have a business idea here. I don't know. We got to, we got to, I mean, I feel like as I guess the most, how many, how many foremost NBA analysts are Greek or, or of Greek descent? It's Spiro Dedis. Yep. There's, there's one. Uh, By the way, for those listening, my last name is Haberstro, but my blood last name, like my actual given name is Kalakis. And that's my middle name. It's my second middle name. That's why I'm that. Oh, sorry. Not swearing on this program. I'm that. Who's, who's got four names. The second middle name is what should be my la- last name, which is Kalakis. And my family's from uh, the Peloponnese over there by, um, by Sp- I'm a, I guess I would be Spartan. I'm over there by uh, Areopoli on the, on the Peloponnese, by Githio and Sparta. We're, we're, we're Spartan bros. I, That's I'm, right. I'm from down there as well. We, somewhere along the line, we fought in an army or in a, in a battle against the Athenians, I guess. Have you been know. to Sparta? Yeah. It's not very pretty. No, no, it's, it's not this like I, I don't know why I was expecting like this uh, this metropolis, but not 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 the case. No, it's got you know it's, I guess because you you know you, you just it, it has the lore. Yes, it has, it has the story, but it's not. It's probably you could compare it to something in North Carolina where you are now, like a small town. It's not really sprawling at all. Um, it's tiny. Yeah. 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 I took a, I took a trip over to Greece in, in college. Um, and I found out that like there are multiple Kalakas families. Um, uh, it's K E L A K O S. And I got introduced to the wrong family a couple times. And 
it was it was really interesting because I hadn't I hadn't been over that my family my actually like my brothers and sisters hadn't actually been over there so I went over there in college and took a bus from Athens over to um, Areopoli and it was like a five hour bus ride I hop off the bus and I go to the center of town I try to speak Greek I can't do it I'm mapping out planes and letters and trying to spell it out that like I'm, I'm a Kalakis. Uh, uh, my grand, my grandfather came over from Greece and it was all this thing. And they introduced me to the wrong family, which was great. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic. So wow. that's awesome that you did that. I, yeah, it was one of the, it was one of the coolest moments of my life. Um, and the other thing that was cool is like my cousin, I, I figured out like my actual Greek family over there. And it was like this tearful, like movie esque, like out of Hollywood moment where I'm hugging and kissing all my relatives that I never knew. And I recognized my cousin, not because I knew him, but because he looked just like me. And wow. it was one of those things where it was like, I was like, you are, you've got to be my, you know, my, my cousin. And we figured it out that, yep, he's, uh, he's my grandfather's sister's, uh, grandson. So it was, it was awesome. And I don't know how we got onto this Greek tangent, <laughs> but it is interesting to, to think about, you know, the, over the years with Toronto, you might actually be going to a finals victory parade for Toronto, the Toronto Raptors this year. When the Raptors got Kawhi Leonard this year, did you think that was going to be possible? Did you think that Kawhi was going to embrace the city? Do you think he has embraced the city? And what, what do you think they need to do to win that championship? Because I think you picked him in, six, in seven. I know on the, on the Radio Ethan show, you thought about saying four, but you ended up going with seven. <laughs> what do you think is going to be the reason that the Toronto Raptors are going to have a parade in Toronto? Well, Kawhi's got to be – he kind of has to be like LeBron in 2015 against the Warriors where he you know acts like he doesn't have anyone around him and just goes off, you know, when – Kyrie was out and Kevin Love was out. I think you need a quiet performance like that because they're not going to double him. I, I don't think. I think you're going. They're going to try and go one on one, and I think that's going to limit everybody else around him. I don't see Fred Van Vliet hitting seven threes, so I think you're going to need a Kawhi monster performance. And um, you know, I worry the defensive end is a huge, huge worry. The worry is playing such a different team uh, that's going to be running around, and the Raptors. Kawhi and Pascal Siakam and Marcus Sol, their best defenders don't match up with the strength of the Warriors, uh, which is their guards right now. And then if they lose a game or two, boom, now Kevin Durant comes back and things change. And I don't think he's coming back. I, I know, I know. But the fact that he's not doing on-court work yet and yeah, he's just true. shooting by himself, which I guess that's like what players do when they're trying to protest and say, I, I can play, is that they shoot by themselves. I don't think the signs are good that he's going to play in this series. And I would say that not that he, I know this is just trope at this point, not that he makes them worse, but I think a limited Kevin Durant, if they try to run their offense through Kevin Durant, that actually makes Kawhi do the same sort of thing like he did against Giannis, which if you can bite the head off the snake with Kevin Durant, I think that actually plays to the Raptors' advantage. Not that he makes them worse, people. It's just, I think, a limited Kevin Durant. If you try to force things through him, I think it might, A, take the, the rhythm out of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but I also think it plays more to Kawhi's advantage. If you have Kawhi Leonard, I don't see him being able to guard Steph Curry and, and locking him up for 40 minutes a game. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So he's probably going to switch on to, you know, Andre Iguodala and try to be a rover, a safety in that defense. But if I think the real strength for Kawhi is when he's on ball and I just don't see him being able to assert himself and being that kind of defender on what, like Draymond? Like, I don't think that's going to yeah. work. And then I think just... I don't know. I feel like the Warriors. No, you're right. You're definitely have right. better odds in the series if they don't need Kevin Durant, which is, I guess, obvious. But also, I don't think they. I don't think they expect him to come back. Yeah, I totally hear your point, and that's the. Yeah, I, I agree that you know, Kawhi, even Pascal Siakam, and Gasol, they're those their best defenders. They can't be chasing around Steph. You know, they might have some time on Steph and Clay, but yeah, Kawhi is going to end up probably on Draymond Green and try and take away passing lanes and his his all those assists which could be a positive because Draymond Green as the playmaker is obviously killing and that could be where Kawhi shines defensively but it's also good for Kawhi just to be that roamer because he's going to have to do so much offensively mm -hmm. and 
these three weeks or three rounds, I guess I should say, where he's carried a team and carried a country uh, has probably worn on him a little bit. But I guess that load management thing helped. And like you asked, how much has he embraced the country? Who the heck knows with that guy? (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing that people, you know what? It's, it's really, it sucks to be us trying to uh, predict what Kyrie Irving and Kawhi are going to do this. And like, it's just like, how how do we supposed to know when I don't even think they know what's going on? How how are we supposed to project what they're going to do when it's like, I don't even think they know what they're doing from one minute to the next. Like the Clippers situation is lines up pretty well for him. You know, that's, that's the other, you know, the Raptors banked on a Paul George situation where he would, you know, probably wanted to go to LA or he declared he wanted to go to LA. OKC takes him in and shows him, Hey, we love you. And that's what the Raps did very well and didn't play him for a quarter of the season. They pandered to him and to make sure that he was healthy and like, you know, all NBA teams do, they play to their superstar and it worked. Uh, so they've done all they can. And I don't, I don't think it can, uh, they, they will have any regrets looking back no matter what happens in this finals. Uh, but if he went to LA, it wouldn't be surprising. He would be a number one guy on a, on another A-list organization. And I know that sounds weird about the Clippers to say that about the Clippers, but they are. And, uh, and, and, and so who the heck knows, but you know, the storyline that's juicy, you know, when we start getting into Kawhi is the revenge factor for getting injured against this Warriors team from two years ago when Zaza Pachulia stepped under him. They're up in that game by 20 points in game one of the Western conference finals. And, uh, you know, they obviously, went on to uh to the finals and won that against the Cavs so yeah I think Kawhi is you know he's quiet and he won't say anything but he's he's got to have that on his brain to some degree like he is he is a machine and that's when the you know we talk about all these Raptors in, in playoff history he is in one playoff round the best player that they've ever had ever in one playoff season yeah definitely the best playoff performer ever and you could see it uh you know the way that he was carrying the team in round one that he was you know better than vince and better than demar um and he's he's yeah special guy so yeah he's he's got the capability of doing some special things and i don't know if if it's like it doesn't the matchups are you know just a pain or a bit of a problem uh because he can't guard Giannis, like you said he can't guard jimmy butler like he did in round two the strengths aren't matching up all that well in this series and that's that's the worrisome part you work in media on a national scale every day, and so you know this just about as well as anybody and how we do the whole, it's Monday, so checks the calendar. Oh, Giannis is the best player in the world. Tuesday, all right, I guess that's Kevin Durant day, and then Wednesday, we're going to change it up and say the best player in the NBA is Kawhi. Thursday, it's going to be Steph. <laughs> Friday, LeBron. Why do you think Kawhi isn't considered the best player in the NBA? It bothers me that people don't consider him better than KD because I think KD, like right now, Kawhi Leonard is, has 561 points. It's 124 points more than the next guy in the playoffs. Part of that is because he's played two more games. Part of that is because he's playing more minutes. But the guy's shooting 50, 40, 90 in the playoffs, basically. 50% from the floor. And Kevin, Durant, Kevin Durant would have those numbers if he wasn't injured. But is he, is, he, is he the kind of defender that Kawhi is on a nightly basis? I don't think so. So even if, Kawhi, even if KD was able to be the 30-point scorer that Kawhi is, efficient 30, maybe he gets more assists than Kawhi. But I really do believe that Kawhi's defense is so good that he should get more claim as the best player in the NBA. Totally fair. We don't care about defense, I guess. Yes. Uh, that's what I'm I guess, I guess it's we, you know, as a collective – people watching basketball it's you really gotta you know break down tape to really see what he did to Giannis Tetacumpo and who was as you mentioned the best player in the world on any given Tuesday during the regular season uh, he is uh yeah yeah I, I yeah he, he is one of a kind is, on the is it because he's a mercenary this season that people just don't I don't know like, uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, he's got to win championships sort of on his own, quote unquote, on his own team, too. Yeah. Right. Like, I guess KD didn't do that. But, yeah, that, that's who you give the, the title of the best player in the world to is a guy who's won cha- wins championships. And Kawhi only did that with Duncan and Parker and Ginobili. I think that's a problem. I, I guess the other issue is, for instance, a couple of weeks ago on the starters, somebody brought up the question. We always talk about who can who would take the last shot of a game if you could pick just one guy. We were asked. Who would you have guard 
on the last shot of, of a game and you know throughout history was the question it was like who would be your on-ball defender and you know Jordan came up and then the next sort of tier was like Kawhi maybe Hakeem depending on the the situation mm-hmm. you know Draymond Green was thrown into the mix but yeah he's one of the best ever on that end is what, <laughs> is what I'm saying one of the best ever and yeah his his offense I guess is I don't know maybe because it's he doesn't get triple doubles. Like, what is it? Like, what, what is it that we don't like? Because if you have a defensive player of the year caliber defender, right? And he's dropping 30, 35 nightly efficiently, not needing to gobble up all those possessions. That's got to be like goat status. That's like how much better can you get as a basketball player than the guy that everyone calls a machine? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he doesn't have an outward personality. Um, he doesn't have that many stands because he comes from the Spurs where it's like everyone is about the team, right? And it's not necessarily about the, per- the, the individual. And so I think, I think Kawhi is just the personality of him. It doesn't scream. You know, he's not in the headlines nearly as, as much as like KD or Steph or LeBron. He just is. Or yeah. Russ. And the game isn't as... I know he's had some dunks, but it, it isn't as sports center highlight worthy as well. Um, that's, and that's no kid another. is like, Ooh, I want to be like that guy out on the floor. And it's not sexy to be Kawhi Leonard on the floor. Yeah. And the other part is he doesn't come from a, a reputation out of college as well. And, yep. and, and that hurts or the beginning of his career. Yeah. And he, and he was a Spursian. He was their sort of fourth best player or whatever on a championship team, even though he was finals MVP, call him whatever you want. Even I, you know, I fall into that, that as well, where I'm calling him the fourth best player. And <laughs> he was the best defensive player on that team. And he was the finals freaking MVP because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't dropping 30 every single night. He kind of came on towards the end of the series. Yeah. There's a, I guess there's a whole multitude of factors. Yeah. Personality, reputation, and uh, not playing above the rim. I think that's even though he has, you know, he, he gets up yeah. above the rim. Do you realize we've just stated like 10 reasons why he's not the considered the best player in the league, but then we like are like, but he does do that stuff. <laughs> we've, yeah. like, we've like, we've, we've been like, yeah, but he doesn't do this. Actually, he kind of, he, he hasn't won a chip. Well, he kind of has won a chip. Yeah, but he doesn't have play about, yeah, he kind of, he kind of plays. Yeah, Tom, but when it comes, Tom, what it comes down to is you're, you're too smart. You know, like you're, you're, you're cutting through the media bogus and, and, and that's what's what happens. Is it, you know what? I think it is. I think it's, it's not cool. Yeah. It's not cool to be the Kawhi stand, right? Like what, like who wants to be the Kawhi stand? There's not, there's a cool factor with KD cause he's, he's, uh, is there a cool factor with KD? Uh, he, cause he's, he, he's a jerk and he, and he, and he yells at people on Twitter. So people identify with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of, you know, player autonomy, choosing his career path and, and spurning Russ and, and OKC and going to a big market. There's a little there's a, there's an argument to be made that it is cool to root for KD. Right. Uh, that's just I don't know about that. Maybe I think I think more so the MVP, his MVP helps. That's his, true. Yeah. Kawhi doesn't have one of those. Him leading the league and scoring. Was it three times or four times now? That helps as well. Yeah. Kawhi needs yeah, it's four times. Uh, Kawhi needs to get one of those, I guess, <laughs> for us to say, oh, yeah. But like he said, you know, throughout in this regular season, he said this is just practice and uh, for the playoffs. <laughs> and so he's not going to go out and score a billion points. He's, he's in the Greg Popovich school of, hey, just chill out and we'll get you going in the postseason. And yeah, I kind of feel bad that the, the Spurs, the last two years of his Spurs career were one. Zaza Pachulia ended his postseason and the other one he didn't play because of whatever the heck happened between his team and, and the Spurs doctors. But yeah, we're seeing we're seeing this special dude now in, in Toronto now at 27. I mean, he was just a young pup there winning the finals MVP. And, you know, I guess the other part is now that we're talking about like missing a season, we just forget about a guy. If he goes away for a year, he's like gone in terms of any sort of notoriety. Like when Kevin Durant went, went down with that foot injury, he was gone from from basketball and yeah. from and from the rank, the, all that rankings that, that we used to have. It was just after his MVP season. And we all thought, well, this is is he going to be as good 
ever again. Yeah. So I, I guess we were just we kind of wrote him off a little bit last year. Like if he's not performing now, then mm-hmm. he's not one of the best. That's right. Where can people find your work uh, besides on Twitter? What do you guys got cooking up for the finals so we can be oh. watching? That's where I do all my work is on Twitter. <laughs> well, we, we, you know, we, you know, we'll have a presence down at, in, in Toronto and Golden State. And, uh, you know, we're doing seven, well, eight shows a week now, five on television or yeah, five, hold on, six on television and uh, two podcasts a week. You can find on the starters feeds, wherever you listen to podcasts, all, all eight of those shows. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Tom just going to be, uh, celebrating along with my, uh, my Torontonians up there. And hopefully I can get up to a game, uh, later this, uh, this series, if it goes long, cause, uh, I missed out on game six. I don't know if you, you read my, uh, my diatribe that I put online. Yes. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. My own fault, but also heartbreaking uh, that I didn't get up to uh, Toronto for game six because I, I was trying to save money and go on a buddy pass. I initially had a ticket, but decided, oh, my buddy said the flights look good. I'll cancel that ticket and pay a fifth of the cost. What happens? I don't get there. Anyway, I was there in spirit and I'll hopefully be there uh, towards the end of the finals when uh, the series goes long. What do you think? What, have we yeah, got I, got, I got Warriors in, in six. And so I do think uh, hopefully I'll see you on the road, Tass, and um, congrats on your career and everything leading from uh, from, you know, the university in Toronto to watching <laughs> the NBA finals Raptors in the NBA finals. Congrats, my guy. And thanks for coming on. Congratulations to you, too, man. I appreciate it. That'll do it for this episode of the Haber Show podcast. I want to thank Tass Mellis for joining me. Go follow him at Tass Mellis. That's T-A-S-M-E-L-A-S. He's a great follow on there. Also catch him at the Starters on NBA TV every night at 6 p.m. Also, if you're a fan of the Warriors, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Blazers, the Wizards, the Bulls, the Kings, or any NBA team, you just want to follow the NBA and catch up to all the analysis and news and stuff that's happening around the league, go download the NBC Sports My Teams app. All my stuff will be on there and all the stuff my expert colleagues at NBC Sports. Again, that's the My Teams app. It's really nice. So thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Haber Show podcast in a couple weeks. Go subscribe, rate, and review, please, wherever you listen to podcasts. Appreciate it. Until then, 